I'm Jason Hogg, joining Richard Smith tonight via Skype for another episode of Remastered, the transatlantic pop culture podcast that covers our thoughts on all the things we like growing up. And tonight we're not going to talk about Raising Arizona, which I'd promised some people on Twitter a few weeks ago that we were going to talk about, but that's not the plan. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to Raising Arizona soon, right? Have you already watched it? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so um, you were supposed to watch it a couple weeks ago. I, I know. I'd have seen, I would have seen it. I, I wasn't going to do the, the movies you should see thing and turn up and pretend I'd seen it. I was I was actually going to watch it. But then this idea came up and this is certainly better to do today. Well, I, I already watched it and I had a blast. It's been probably a decade since I saw Raising Arizona. And I, it's going to be your first viewing, right? It is indeed, yes. I really, really want to hear what your impression of it is. I still, but, I still can't believe I haven't seen it. I've seen every other Coen Brothers movie a thousand times. Everybody always brings up Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona It's the best Nicolas Cage movie, yada, yada, yada. And uh, given your tastes and what I know about your tastes and how closely they match mine, I can't believe you skipped it. Yeah, I haven't skipped. I've just not gotten to it yet, I think is the, the thing. I w- I w- well, we'll do it for the show and I absolutely will watch it for that. So, we'll, you know, I'll get to it next week. Yeah. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about Tony Scott, which if you've been hiding under a rock for the last little while, uh, director Tony Scott, 68, a graduate of the Royal College of Art in London and director of such films as Top Gun and Enemy of the State. Uh, I guess he jumped off of a bridge. Uh, I'm not sure when this is, episode is going out, but it was this past Sunday as of our recording here. And uh, everybody was surprised. I'm, I'm not sure. How has the British press been covering this? Um, I, pretty much as you would expect. I haven't seen any television news, uh, but it's it's been covered uh, rather extensively by everywhere that you would expect. Um, I'm not actually sure. I, I'm, I'm suddenly very conscious that I don't consume a great deal of what you would class to be mainstream news, um, which is perhaps a symptom of the age we live in. I think, but of what I've seen, it's been covered well, tastefully, and that sort of thing. I uh, I'm in the news business, and then I come home, and my wife has it on all night through the background. So uh, I've heard it reported probably I don't know twelve, fifteen different places, different uh, different news outlets, the Associated Press, all all the different things coming through, and then even more for this uh, this episode, just reading up and brushing up on some information about him. And uh, it's really, really strange how he died because it's an apparent suicide. Uh, and there's been speculation here. I'm not sure how much of this has been reported over there. But ABC News over here was reporting that he had inoperable brain cancer. Then they kind of backed off that and said, oh, wait, the coroner doesn't think that that's the case. And the family's disputing it. And then uh, another report came out saying, oh, yes, it is true. And, so uh, so there's kind of a, a weird mystery surrounding it all and, and whether that might tie into his motive for, for killing himself. But um, As I understood it, it struggled with depression for a long time. See, I, I haven't really seen that. Depression is a weird thing over here. A lot of people wrestle with it, and it doesn't really make the news a whole lot. It's kind of one of those things that is covered up quite a bit. So it didn't appear in any of the stories that I saw, which is it's just odd. It's that's the main reasoning behind it that I've seen. Uh, this this uh, tumor thing is that's the first I'm hearing of it. 
There, there is a note apparently. Investigators have confirmed that spells out in pretty deep detail why he decided to kill himself, but that hasn't been made public yet. So all the media is still speculating on it, and and then making everything just that much more sensational is the fact that his actual death was captured on tape. And the people who were standing by recording thought that it was some sort of a publicity stunt or an extreme sports thing. And now they're shopping it around trying to sell it to, you know, the really shitty ass um, tabloid news outlets. Yeah, I saw an article from TMZ saying they had seen it and been offered the chance to buy it, but didn't. Which I don't like TMZ at all, but at least that's slightly classy. Yeah. If I, I, I think it's one of those, you can't buy it. You just, you can't be the one that buys it. I think that in the 80s, probably when, when that kind of tabloid journalism was really bad, somebody probably would have bought it. it kind of, I, I would expect to have seen stills from it in a British tabloid. That's one of the reasons why I asked you how they're covering it is because I, I don't mean to be inflammatory or anything, but... Your press seems to be a little bit more incendiary than ours. Our uh, press are horrific. Sensationalism. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely horrific. Um, you know, the, the tricky thing is, uh, sad as it is to say, if you want press coverage of your suicide, don't do it when Celebrity Big Brother is running. Because that's going to seriously hamper your ability to get into the British tabloid press. Because that's all it's... All I see on the, the front page of things is Celebrity Big Brother, which is happening right now, allegedly. The the other thing that I was wondering about the difference in the coverage between your country and mine is, you know, I, I always kind of recognized that he had an English accent, but I never thought of Tony Scott as anything other than American because all of his movies are so very hoorah, you know, kind of. He had a very American bent, let's just put it that way. So, I mean, I, I knew he was British, I just, it never crossed my mind. I, I would say the same of his brother, though, as well. That we, Even we have a sort of feeling that they kind of are American, even though we know they're not. Ridley Scott has the added benefit of being knighted, though. So that, that kind yeah. of plays him in a safer place, I think, than Tony. But in all honesty, I could, I could, I can imagine like the the pub quiz or just any, if I'm asked, name some famous British directors. I oh god, who um you know, I'd really have trouble. It wouldn't just be Tony Ridley Scott. It 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 wouldn't come that quickly, and I'd feel daft that I didn't think of them because I know that they're, they're English. But it it just it's strange how it just wouldn't quite connect in that way. You know, it is odd. I Like I said, I know that Tony has an English accent, but whenever I think, and even though I've seen tons of interviews with him, but whenever I think of Ridley Scott, I always think of an American accent. And I'm always surprised when I see him that he is British. I think he even looks American. I'm j just looking at, when you do a, a, a Google search for Tony Scott, you get their new little info box on the right-hand side, and there's a photo of him. And I think he even I think he even looks American. Maybe it's just the baseball yeah. cap. Ridley Scott looks Scottish. Tony Scott looks closer to I don't know what is there a is there a stereotype for what southern English people look like? Not not really. No. In my mind that's what he looks like. Is he more cosmopolitan, less wild? <laughs> I don't know. I got I'm just I'm just <laughs> taking in the implications of that statement. Okay. 
carry on. Um, so yes, it, okay, right. Um, you've completely thrown me with that. Hang on. Is that not how it is at all? No. Is that an inaccurate reflection? Yeah. We, See, we, when I think, when I th- okay, this is no secret, right? You, okay. you don't know where various states are. I could say South Dakota, and you'd be like, I don't know, right? Um, some of them, yeah. I'm okay. drawing a blank on South Dakota now. I likewise, even though I know the geography pretty damned well uh, of Great Britain, I still have the stereotypes in my mind. When I think of anywhere in the Scottish Highlands, I immediately think of the Highlander. I think of Braveheart. I think of Celts running around. And when I think of Southern England, I think of London and ports and money and tourism and all that. Right. I see. So that's where that stereotype comes from. I know it's wrong. I see. No, we have big northern docks. Not so much anymore. Mind you, we don't have big docks really anywhere anymore. But, um, yeah, there, there were some big big things up here. Especially sort of the very north of England, which Alison assures me is the north of England, but I think of it as where Geordies live. I, I kind of think it's we're in the north of England, where I am, even though technically we're in the middle of England. And above us is sort of where Geordies are, even though that's technically the north of England. And then above that, there's Scottish people. That That's how it is in my mind. But there's, there's you know, you, you obviously have cities are nicer places than not cities as well. So that's where you get the cosmopolitan areas. But up north, it's, it's nice up here. Uh The Scott Brothers, though, as far as Tony Scott goes, what films have you seen or what would you... Well, let me ask you this. What would you say is his best film? Oh, that's a tricky one. You see? Hmm. And there is a correct answer, by the way. Because I do have right in front of me, I'm looking at it. I, I looked it up while you were talking. Uh, Tony Scott films rated from best to worst, according to IMDb. Oh, right. So that there is a correct answer. There is. Well, I'm, I'm guessing then the correct answer is either Crimson Tide or Top Gun. You're wrong on both counts. As a matter of fact, Crimson Tide is number five. Top Gun does not crack the top ten. Then I'm going to have to guess uh, True Romance. There you go. 7.9, True Romance, his best-reviewed film. Uh, from there, it's In Descending Order, Man on Fire. Um, and there, there's a problem thrown in here is that he's directed some episodes of television shows. Yeah. Number three is Numbers. There's a specific episode in uh, season four. Right. Uh, from there, it's Beat the Devil, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Deja Vu, Spy Game, The Last Boy Scout, Unstoppable, and Top Gun is at number 11. The tricky thing with Tony Scott films, and this is almost pretty much the case with Ridley Scott films as well, but it's not as much. There, there are no... There, there are no huge Oscar-winning films on this list of films he's made. I've got a quote from Tony Scott. He once said, I always get criticized for style over content, unlike Ridley's films like Alien or Blade Runner or Gladiator that go right into the classic box right away. Mine sort of hover. Maybe with time people will start saying they should be classics. Yeah, it's not that there's... I'm not criticizing his work in the slightest. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love a lot of the... Every film on this list that I've seen... I enjoyed, which to me is a mark of a good film. Uh, but there's nothing here that you would think, oh, that was his please give me an Oscar movie. 
Ridley Scott has probably made many more of those films. Let me find... I'll bring up Ridley Scott's IMDb and I'll try and give you an example of what I'm talking about because I don't mean things like Alien. Um, let's have a look. Let's find something. For me, his movies are... are when we're talking about Tony, not, not Ridley here, but just Tony, they're always very hit or very miss. It's like, uh, you, know, you know I love Top Gun. Yeah. And I... I, I don't like Denzel Washington too much, so I didn't like Man on Fire. Right. I mean, it might still be a good movie. I don't care, but I, I liked Enemy of the State. I didn't like, I'm uh, just looking down this list. I didn't like Domino. I like Days of Thunder. I didn't like The Fan. Days There's not, not a whole lot of middle ground. Days of Thunder here is the only one that I've s- attempted to watch and not gotten on with. And maybe I can give Days of Thunder another go. I haven't seen Domino. That's the that's the uh, what's the face? Kira Knightley one. Yeah, as as a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. No, no, I have issues with that as a concept. Although it's it's oh no, yeah, five point nine out of ten on IMDb. So mm. yeah, Man on Fire, I did enjoy though. Everybody talks about how it's a good movie, and it might be. It's just it didn't suit my taste. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, there's something about his films. It's just on switch or off switch. There's no in between. There's no dimmer switch. Yeah, I, I, I just don't get a, th- there's no Lord of the Rings trilogy here. There's no massive franchises of any kind. There, there's no big Oscar winning movies. There's no big epics. But. There's not even any small, clever character pieces or anything like that. I think when you watch a Tony Scott movie, you you want to see some sort of explosion. Hopefully, at some point, some sh- you look at a lot of these are action movies. Yeah, and, it's big and loud and filled with smoke and and lighting. Yeah, and and that absolutely has its place, and I'm a big fan of it. And he was good at it, and by no means perfect, but then no one is. We thought Pixar were for a while, but they've proven themselves to not be. Uh, and and so he's, this is a... I would be proud of this as a directing uh, resume. I, I really yeah, it's, would. It's not bad. It's it's definitely all above fives. Absolutely. I'm, I'm surprised there's only... Sort of, there really are only sort of three or four I haven't seen of his entire uh, filmography. I haven't seen very much recently i i missed prometheus uh i was planning to go see it and then everyone said don't don't bother i i missed unstoppable which is the latest denzel washington one that he did i actually I, nearly picked up the blu-ray of that the other night oh yeah uh i think i might have been sort of tempted to see it because lisa is kind of in love with chris pine all they're all in love with chris pine it's sickening yeah. I, i'm probably going to be able to com- convince lisa to go see the second star trek movie because of Chris Pine. Yeah. It's how it's similar how how I got Allison to go to the Avengers. Really. With whom? With what? Wh- which one of them is she pining after? Any of them. Any of them. Okay, that's a fair enough answer. Really? Pick one. <laughs> yeah. She wouldn't turn you know, she wouldn't turn Robert Downey Jr. away in the hope that uh, Chris Hemsworth would turn up soon. It, it wouldn't matter whoever gets there first. Yeah, but you know, I didn't see the remake of the uh, the Taking of Pelham One Two Three either. No, I haven't seen that one either. Um, I haven't seen the original actually. Is that Ethan Hawke? I've no, it's not. 
All right, that's totally different one than I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, that's another Denzel one. Oh, is that is that John Travolta playing a bad guy? Yeah. Oh, he must be. His character name is Ryder. And Louis Guzman and John Turturro and James Gandolfini. This, on paper, looks like a good movie. I didn't hear bad things about it. It's just that kind of heist movie. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of heist movies. I don't really need to see another one. Yeah. Uh, Especially, what? like I said, I'm, I'm not a huge Denzel fan. It's nothing against him personally. It's just like, you know. It's a remake then, it's isn't it? It's a little it? bit dry. Is it, it's a remake of a, an older film. Was Domino a remake as well? I don't think Domino was, but I mean, I I don't really know. My memory of that film is dim at best. Right. I kind of winked through it when it was on Netflix streaming. I, I only asked because I know Man on Fire was a remake as well. And I, I I was just trying to see if there were any other obvious remakes that he'd done. I don't know if any of the others were at all. That was perhaps a bit of a dead end to go down. But he, I don't think that they're necessarily remakes, but he does a lot of buy-the-numbers kind of movies. Yeah. That's, spy that, game is very that's you know it's the best things. way of putting it of of describing his films that's that's perfect they're by the numbers you you know where it's going there's no surprise there's no big twist it's just a good story yeah by the numbers i like that that's that's the best way of describing his films i don't think he even really considered story to be that important because i remember he was talking about um Shoot, what was it? It was Days of Thunder that he was talking about how it didn't really matter. You could just sit Tom Cruise in a race car and everybody would watch and you didn't have to have a story. But I guess kind of you have to put a story in there at some point. It's a, it's a phrase, but I mean, that's that's what he was driving at. Yeah. Hmm. The importance of a narrative in a film. I. I would accept that there is an argument to be made that a film is just an emotional journey that you take as a viewer. And however you take that journey doesn't really matter, I suppose. So, yeah, if you've come to see some explosion, if you've come to see some Navy jets blow up some Russian MiGs, you, that, you're fine. What happens either side of that is kind of irrelevant, I suppose. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's that's a really bad comparison because Top Gun, I will defend until my grave. Top Gun, the jet fighting, the, the dog fighting is entirely secondary to the emotional journey. It's all about character development in that movie. And all the dog fighting does is to, to mirror Tom Cruise's journey. Does it? I've never thought of it that deeply. Ask Craig. Craig will tell you. I don't want to get it. It's one of those, oh, don't get him started <laughs> things. <laughs> It's it's like when you're at a party with him and you see the guitar is going to come out. And you t maybe if we can distract him before he makes it to the guitar, well, there won't be the guitar. <laughs> but you know, once it's in his hand, that's we're in for the long haul. We're going to be singing his songs with him and clapping. I don't know. It's not that bad anymore. <laughs> that's because I don't go to parties with him anymore. He probably still does it. Where were we? Top Gun. Top Gun's a good movie, man. Come on, admit it. I just want to hear you say Oh, no, it. I love Top Gun. Okay. I've, I don't have anything bad to say about Top Gun. The only time Top I... Gun is one of those movies like, like Rocky, where everybody thinks that Rocky is about boxing. And Rocky isn't really about boxing. Rocky is about Rocky. Exactly. But even if Top Gun were about the flying, I'm fine with that as well, to be well, perfectly yeah, honest with you. yeah, because it looks so damn good. It's awesome. It's that, that is a particular area I will quite happily accept. Um, 
and and so there's nothing not to like in Top Gun. It's it's a it's a great movie. It's given us great fun in the years that have passed, maybe unintentionally in some aspects. The way we laugh about it and and joke about it and the gayest scene in movie history, possibly. I I still have a soft spot for Rocky Three in that area, but it, it's it's a great film. The only time I was ever perhaps annoyed with it was again because it was fifteen and I wasn't when it mm. came out. And yeah. on seeing it as an adult, this was one of the, why the hell was that a 15 and I wasn't allowed to see it? Well, like, it's just that awkward sex scene that they stick in there. Otherwise, everything boobies. is really... That, that's yeah. it. It's just boobies. Like, really? That's a you know, it's, and it's not even that gratuitous. It's really not that bad a, a, a scene. It's, I can understand my parents not wanting to sit through it when I'm in the room with them. Because you get that awkward parent-child, oh god, we're all watching sex kind of thing but other than that there was nothing it's not like it's a scary movie or one that features anything in particular that's that's strange there's no blood there's not really a whole lot of violence even though they're flying all the time they, they very rarely actually fire exactly i mean the the benchmark i always have for whether you know the, the the annoyance I had with it about not being able to see it, the, the defining moment where I got it was Pulp Fiction. Uh, when you finally see the scene with Zed in the basement after the after Bruce Willis runs the guy down and you suddenly realize, <laughs> oh, this is what you were talking about because I am not prepared for this whatsoever. I, now, this, did you see that on TV before you saw it on film? What? the, the Pulp, I, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I just saw that on TV. See, that that was my experience too. I saw Pulp Fiction on TV, and then I saw the DVD after. And I was like, "Wait a minute! What, hold on! What's happening? This is not in the TV version." Oh no, that was in the TV version. That we saw that in the TV version. The version I saw was the proper version, <laughs> and that's that's what I'm talking about. This was the oh, I, I have no experience of this now, and I'm I realize now I'm out of my depth. But hey, now I've learned about anal rape. That's good. Was Top Gun the first Tony Scott film that you would have seen then? Um, I mean, just... Do you know, I think the first one I would have seen would probably have been Beverly Hills Cop 2. In the grand scheme of things. See, given when these were coming out and how old I was and the rating of these films, I, I think I wouldn't have seen one as it came out until perhaps, I think, Crimson Tide... Uh, was the first Tony Scott film that I got to see at the cinema. And now, Crimson Tide is the one that I've always got to stop and, and think of whether I've seen it or not. That Another Denzel one, right? It is. Denzel and Gene Hackman. It's a damn good movie, actually. Okay, this is stupid. I always get it confused with The Hunt for Red October. They're both submarine movies, right? They are submarine movies. In the Hunt and they're for both... Well, in The Hunt for Red October, it's the Russian guy who wants to defect, played by Sean Connery. In Crimson Tide, you've got the American sailors in the submarine who get half of a scrambled message that says to launch their missiles. The captain wants to go with it, who's Gene Hackman, and the deputy captain, whatever they call him, Denzel Washington, won't let him do it. And it's about their argument with each other. It's it's not that I get the plots confused. 
I know that the plots are, are two disparate things. It's that the, it's the hunt for red October and then crimson tide. And so that they're more or less interchangeable. I, I can't remember which title goes on which movie. It's, it's nice to know that all submarines are a nice shade of red one way or yes. another. Inside too. That's yes. all that they are. <laughs> That's it. Just flashing red light, flashing red light. Are we on red alert? Now we've been doing that red light for an hour, can we turn it off and we all just accept that we're still on red alert? No, we need to leave the light on. Okay, fine. Have you ever been in a submarine? No, I've never been in one. I've been in a couple of them. They bother me greatly. Really? Oh, Do you have a little bit of claustrophobia? I would, I would think I would quite happily go on one while it was docked and have a look around and all that sort of thing. That would be fine. The idea of going out to sea in one and... Under- being on the sea upsets me greatly as, as something anyway. Um, I, I would not really be prepared to go on a cruise or anything like that. Um, it's too far from anything that I can live on. And I've seen too many movies where that goes hideously wrong. I, I haven't been on one that's been submerged. I, I've been on two that have been docked, though. And they are neat. They're not nearly as close quarters as you think that they are. Right. I'm I'm sure they're fine for uh, you know like a hundred guys to live on this thing underwater for a couple of months, uh, as they may well do. But I couldn't do it. I I I just couldn't do that at all. <laughs> it's just what if you're just out in the middle of the Pacific and your boat turns over? What do you do? You just die then, don't you? That's horrible. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I can't handle that. It's just uh, there's no reason for me to be there doing that. I'm glad other people are and filming it and putting it on TV. I know that this is skewing off topic, but there is a new series coming out this fall on NBC, I think. I'm pretty sure it's NBC, called Last Resort. That's pretty much the um, plot of Crimson Tide, except that the entire sub defects and goes on the run. All right. And it looks pretty damn good. That sounds like a good idea for a, a series, actually, yeah. And it had somebody famous in it. I'm trying to figure out. I'm just Googling real quick. It was, uh, oh, uh, Scott Speedman, which give him or take him. I don't care about him. Um, Andre Brower, who you would recognize immediately if you saw him. Andre. Here. Uh, I'm putting it in our Skype chat. You see, I mean, uh, he was in glory. He was in homicide life in the street. Bear with me. While my old, old computer, I can hear the cogs going. Still loading. (laughs) Still loading. Oh, come on. And then it's also got Robert Patrick in it. Oh, everything with Robert Patrick is awesome. he's, He's one of those elements that anything with him in it is automatically better than anything with him not in it. Except for the X Files. I I even disagree there. Really? I I found the Agent Doggett episodes much more entertaining and found him to be a much... uh, He he was a a much easier to watch actor than David Duchovny. I stopped watching when Robert Patrick came on because I I just didn't care. I I don't think you're alone in that. I think by that point, the series had... I think everybody was really fed up with it. I'd stop when it was on its original run. I stopped watching it way before Robert Patrick came in, and it, I've only seen them sort of this year as I purposefully went and bought the DVDs and sat and watched them all in order, and then got Netflix and realized that was an incredible waste of money. What I'd just done with all those DVDs, uh, but I enjoyed 
the Robert Patrick episodes far, far more. He was good, really good. I mean, yeah, he always is, as long as he's in the right kind of role. And he doesn't deviate from that role very often. It's always the hard-nosed, extremely dogged, which it occurs to me that they named his character after his character trait. Yeah. Uh, But hard-nosed, extremely dogged kind of, I don't know, investigator or pursuer of some type. Anyway, that's that's Crimson Tide. Okay. <laughs> what else do we have? Uh, Crimson Tide, true romance. Let's. Do you know? I I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people think that's a Quentin Tarantino film. I thought it was too. I got it confused with True Lies. Why do we think that? It's was just it? The title, I think. Don't you? No, I think he either produced it or was involved in the writing of it in some way. Um. I'm looking this up now to see if he did have anything to do with it. it would you know, be I'm going to admit right up front him. here, I didn't see True Romance. You, I think you would enjoy True, True Romance. I, well, I, from I think, everything I've heard, yeah, I definitely would. Um, I'm hoping it, it comes on Netflix streaming at some point, but I wouldn't have, even prior to tonight, been able to tell you who was in it. True Romance, written by Quentin Tarantino. There you go. Uh, Christian Slater, it has the most incredible scene be- between Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. It's worth, it's one of those sort of Heat, Pacino, De Niro moments that's worth watching a movie for in, on its own. This it, is a bang-up cast. Look yes, at this. it's an absolutely flawless cast. Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson, Michael Rappaport, Saul Rubinek, James Gandolfini, Tom Sizemore, Chris Penn. It's a really, really good film. I feel inspired to go and watch it again now, actually. Um, I, I don't you, recognize you, any of the other names just glancing through the list, but uh, but what's what's it about in a nutshell? Um, I'm guessing a crime caper. No, it, it's sort of a... God, it's been a long while since I've seen it. I'm actually just going to bring up the... Yeah, it's uh, stealing drugs from a, a a drug dealer and they want it back kind of thing. So it's basically Christian Slater and uh, Thingy Arquette, Patricia Arquette, do something to piss off some gangsters and the film is about the gangsters coming to get them and that sort of thing. Christopher Walken's the head mob guy. And Dennis, does it have kind of a get shorty kind of vibe to it? No, it's, no. It sounds like it does. No, much darker. Much closer to uh, a Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction kind of level. Okay. It's it's a heavy film, but it's it's brilliant. I mean, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, it's it's awesome. And Brad Pitt in a really good role for Brad Pitt because it's not a Brad Pitt role. He's, he's someone's shit roommate who is permanently stoned watching TV with horrible hair and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's so far away from a... a standard Brad Pitt role as he can get. Well, he oscillated a lot more in his range when he was a lot uh, a lot younger in acting. It, it was uh, more necessary there, I think. He, now he's just Brad Pitt. I'm just looking yeah. through it. Like, uh, 92, 93, the kind of movies that he was doing were like A River Runs Through It, uh, Cool World, Thelma and Louise, Seven, Legends of the Fall, Interview with the Vampire. He, yeah, he had a lot more range back then. 
Do you think you have to sort of in the beginning of your career, you have to prove you can do it? And if you do that well enough and often enough, then you can reach a point where we kind of just carry that momentum through with us as an audience and you can get away with a lot more. I think that's true. Uh, you know, of course it's true, but I think to a greater extent at the beginning of your career, you take work where you can get it. <laughs> yeah, there, there is that as well. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing Brad Pitt or anyone. I, I th- would agree that his range is somewhat tightened up, but I've never seen a film with him in and gone, well, Brad Pitt was awful in that. The, I've never heard that said or anything like that. Um, actually, as I'm looking over his later movies, I feel a little bit tight saying that his range is closed in much because he's got World War Z and Happy Feet 2, which are mm. fairly different movies. You don't want to hear about World War Z. Oh, is that, is that going down the toilet one way or another? I wouldn't be surprised at this point if it ends up direct-to-video. Oh, dear. Yeah, they've done several rewrites. They've actually had to call the the principal characters back in, the principal actors back in for uh, filming. Right. To touch up spots where it was just terrible. Um, All the test screenings are panning the hell out of it. Oh, that's a shame. And Brad Pitt is apparently so pissed off about how the cut of the movie looks at this point that he refuses to do any kind of promotion. Wow. And it's Damon Lindahoff. And who I hate. I really hate him. Yeah, I I'm with you. I really don't like his writing. he might be a nice guy, I don't know. But I hate I hate his writing. I, I really do hate it a great deal. That's apparently the other problem with that movie is that, you know, it was um uh, Max uh what's his name? Shoot. World World War Z is a book that was written by the son of why can't I spit it out? Max here? Brooks. Thank you. Mel Brooks's kid. Oh, right. Really? I didn't know Mel that. Brooks. Yeah. But they took the story and they changed it all around. So it's basically unrecognizable from the book. And I mean, there's people who don't like the book. And so I guess maybe that would be a good thing sometimes. But I thought the book was just fine. If they had told the stories that are in the book, it would have been a great movie. Am I right? They did. No, no I'm, I'm, I, I haven't read the book, but am I right in thinking it's sort of a it's kind of like a post-war documentary survivor's recount sort of. That's that's exactly what it is. It's here's how the zombies came and here's what we did to survive. And, and it's told from a, as, as realistic a perspective as you can get. You see, I think the trouble with that is, is that while it would work as a book, it wouldn't work as a movie without some severe changing. Unless you've to, you know, in my imagination, it's kind of the book equivalent of Ken Burns' The Civil War. And so, unless you were to make a feature length Ken Burns' The Civil War of World War Z, then it's not going to work. And no one's going to pay money to see Brad Pitt in that film anyway. So maybe don't make it as a film. Um, The book is told in vignettes, kind of. You know how Independence Day unfolds where you're following several different characters and it's kind of a soap opera about here's how all the different characters survive the alien apocalypse? Yeah. World War Z is pretty much the same exact thing. Right. They, it's all character development. It's all told from first-person perspectives. I have the uh, audio book, which is, well, obviously I've, I've not attempted that one yet, but I, I, I believe it's actually a dramatization as well rather than just a straight reading the book. I yeah. might get to that one next, actually, then, because I've had that one set around for a while. Recommended. But not a Tony Scott film. Not a Tony Scott film. We've just done True Romance. We should talk about Top Gun. Okay. 
No, when was the last time you saw Days of Thunder? I've never seen it all the way through. No? Okay. Um, I I remember that being a good movie, but the last time I saw it was 1996, so probably not the best authority on that one. To be honest, the problem I have with uh, Days of Thunder is Nicole Kidman. See, I like Nicole Kidman, and I understand that that varies from person to person. She's another hot or cold one. I I would agree that I haven't always hated her. Um, let me just confirm this, because I think it was Moulin Rouge that was the breaking point for me. Moulin Rouge was a bad movie. I, but you can't, you can't say that everybody who was involved in that movie is automatically bad. I, not because of that, but strangely, a lot of them are bad. <laughs> um, in fact, I think that the you've got John Leguizamo, who is brilliant and not used in anywhere near enough in anything. He, he John Leguizamo won my heart with The Pest. Have you seen The Pest? No, I haven't seen that, no. The Pest is a terrible movie. It's based on the short story, uh, The Most Dangerous Game, where it's that trope that you see over and over again in film where you have a rich old white guy who hunts people right, on a private plantation or a private island or, or whatever it is. But The Pest was John Leguizamo as the huntee, and it was done in total Looney, Looney Tunes style. All right. Nice very, idea. Very, very funny. Yeah, I'd watch that. Uh, but but I, I like him. Likes him. I, I don't like Baz Luhrmann either. Buzz Lerman used John Leguizamo in Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge. He did indeed. He did, and hat off to him for that. But other than that, please stop making films, you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought he was gang- gangbusters as Tibble. I really, really like that movie, and I know that lots of people don't, but whatever. Claire Danes, man. She's just, That's where it's at. It's like, oh, you like her, though, don't you? I do. Those yeah. nice big eyes. See, I, I don't. Is she winds me up and I, don't, I can't even tell you why it is it's like she just annoys me i don't know and and childhood uh what's his name why can't i remember names tonight leonardo dicaprio he before the departed he annoyed me as well so it's i don't a, think i ever really had a problem with leonardo leonardo dicaprio it was jealousy i think actually with leonardo dicaprio I'm jealous if of I'm anyone who's dated the women he's dated. Yeah, I think it was just outright jealousy. It was how not just not necessarily what he had or had done or could do, but more what girls I actually knew in real life would say about him. And you, I hate you. I just hate him for that. Why do all these girls fancy you? <laughs> so it's okay for guys to do it for centuries and centuries. Well, talking by, about what women they'd bang. Yeah. But as soon as women pick a guy, then no, oh, that's their button. No, they're allowed to do that. That's absolutely fine. But I am thusly allowed to hate that guy. <laughs> In the same way that they're allowed to hate whatever reason. As I've said before to this day, Sama Hayek in my parents' house is merely referred to as that woman. So it's that. You're, you're allowed to hate her. But we're also allowed to be leery. And that sort of thing. Women can do it as well, and they do. And why should they not? That's fine. I don't mind being objectified, as long as I'm being objectified and not somebody else. That's that's what it is. It's the same reason why I don't like Justin Timberlake. I don't really have a problem with Justin Timberlake. It's just people seem to like him more than they like me. So I think JT's a funny guy. 
I get the feeling he's actually a really nice guy. Like, you, you would have trouble not being his friend if you met him. Uh, and that that winds me up. <laughs> it's just jealousy, if I'm really very honest about it. Why should people like him more than they like me that much? That's not fair. Is he that much nicer than me? I try and be nice. Why aren't I just in Timberlake? You just want to be loved, Rich. I just want to be loved by Jessica Biel. That's the problem. And Cameron Diaz and Britney Spears. That's Very what I want. So. Not necessarily for very long. A few minutes would do, probably. <laughs> it would be enough for but, a lifetime. Yeah, it would just be nice to have the option. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of women you rate, what do you think about Bridget Nielsen? Oh, you know, that's, that's an odd one right there. Um... Because it, it varies. You'd have to pick at Bridget Nielsen in various points of her career. Bridget Nielsen in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, yeah. Without meaning to be too chauvinistic and leery, I'd hit that. You'd go there? Okay. I'd go there. Did you know that Tony Scott did? Good for Tony. That's, that's a good catch, that one. Yeah, that's a good Bridget Nielsen in the 80s. Awesome. Once linked romantically to Bridget Nielsen, whom he directed in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Both were married at the time. Nielsen to Sylvester Stallone. Really? Now that's something I wouldn't have done. That's a brave dude right there. That's what I'm saying. Wow. I mean, if you can get over the morals of you get helping a woman cheat on her husband, I suppose you could... Well, I know from experience I've been able to get over that as an issue. Helping a woman cheat but, on her husband, that... He was married too. Well, yeah, there is that, and you've got he to get over that. He was cheating on his wife. But don't don't go all misogynistic on me. That's true. Sorry, um, but if that guy is Sylvester Stallone, mind you, we 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 say that thinking, well, that guy's Rambo, and really, Sylvester Stallone couldn't kill an army with a gun. He's just an actor. Actually, he could you kill know me with a gun. Yeah, I think he could hurt <laughs> me if he wanted to. I think he could hurt me now if he wanted to. But I think he could walk up to me right now and destroy me with with barely an effort. Yeah. So actually, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't go for his wife, or maybe that's an added thrill. I don't know. Some people get off on all sorts of things. The danger. Yeah, I'd rather be with somebody knowing that I'm not going to be murdered if it's found out. I I'd prefer to have that bit. Of pre- I build up enough pressure on me in relationships anyway. I don't need to add shit like that. That's just a nightmare. We should we get get off topic easily with these, don't we? Um, oh, very easily, especially with women. It's easy because now I'm I'm sitting here thinking about Bridget Nielsen in uh, uh, Rocky Four. Have Have we ever had the "How old would you go" conversation? No, I'm not sure I'm prepared to admit that quite yet. Because <laughs> it's it comes up occasionally. Um, I think we've talked before about the fact that our tastes are changing. No, as far as that goes. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Not, not so much. I, I'm. It, it's more like I, I, I believe there's a set of women, and and it's you could discuss long into the night who would you include in this set of women. It's all personal opinion, but for example, I, I think the one that came up was Joan Collins. Joan Collins, you, you, you're aware of who I'm talking about, aren't you? Oh, she's yeah. on a, she's on a. A Snickers commercial here at the moment. City on the edge of forever, Joan Collins. That Joan Collins. Uh, she's 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 on this commercial at the moment, and she's she's an old lady now. Uh, I just want to see how old she actually is. 
according to Wikipedia, she is 79 years old. That's too old. Right. And I would argue that if you had the chance, you'd, you'd get it on with Joan Collins just so you could say, hey, cut off with Joan Collins. Yeah. There's that amazing second season episode of Louis with uh, Louis C.K. That was going to be my next example. <laughs> yes, okay. So you knew where I was going. Yeah, Joan Rivers. And I would also include her in there. And it's like, I'm not saying you'd want to go out with this person on a regular basis, have a long-term relationship or anything like that. But, you know, would you do just so you, you could say you had or, or anything? And, and again, no one would believe you. And that sort of thing. I, it, it just struck me that I'd, I think you would take the opportunity if it presented yourself, even though you might not be the normal kind of guy that would sit around going, hey, that, that old lady in that nursing home, she's looking pretty hot. You know, you, you wouldn't necessarily be interested in your average 79-year-old, but if that 79-year-old happened to be Joan Collins, then hey, what the hell? No, I'm not quite there yet. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not with no. you on this one. I'm, I'm right at about Heather Locklear. Oh, that's, of course, that's Heather Locklear. That's, of course, this, you know. And you probably wouldn't say it, but I bet during, you'd think to yourself, Schwing. You would, of course. You, you couldn't say it to her face. I think that'd piss her I'd, off. I'd <laughs> yell it. <laughs> Mid-coitus. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of her now. She's only 50, though. Yeah, that's that's about the extent of it for me. I'm not even half her age. God, that's depressing. I'm yeah, not even half about her. the 20-year-olds, the 21-year-olds, you know, those girls. And now it's it's shifting. I think 50 is a a, a responsible upward bound. 50, yeah. Allison's 40 next year, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, she is. It's it's fine, though. I'm fine with it. I, I, I forgive her. God, Lisa's she was... 32. Wow. I'm just saying. Young women. That's, that's bizarre. <laughs> God, I've never been with a 32-year-old. No? Kind of skipped over that age. That's weird. It's a good age. I wouldn't know. That's I only have my own personal experience, and that was touchy at best of being thirty-two. I've lost my Tony Scott page now. <laughs> oh, were we were we talking about I Tony think Scott? There was something about him in the news the other day, and you know, we said we'd do something. I'm spelling his name wrong now. Mystery deepens. All right, there. There's more news has come up since I did my initial search when we started this show. Oh, really? What's, uh, what's come up now? Well, let's see. This is from the Daily Mail. Oh, so it's probably bollocks. Met with Tom Cruise just 48 hours before he jumped to his death. Was uh, uh, 20th Century Fox Bosses says director was burning with excitement just two weeks before suicide. Just yeah. lots of reports from everybody saying, but he was really happy. Yeah, they'd been talking Top Gun too. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess has been something that's been in development for a little while. It just never sat down to do it. Top Gun 2 has been one. I, I've heard rumors of Top Gun 2 sort of almost all my life. What seems like almost all my life. What year was Top Gun? Since Top Gun. 86. Actually, alarmingly nearly all my life then. Um, it, it's There's just always been talk of it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it ever actually happened. I, re I think I read something yesterday that said Tom Cruise still planned to push ahead with it. Uh, so we'll see if it actually ever 
comes to fruition now. But yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that was happening. If done correctly, it could be a very, very good movie. Because, I mean, the logical choice, the logical pr- progression would be to take um, take Maverick and put him into Tom Skerritt's role. Absolutely. And maybe still have it be about him, kind of the same way that Stallone did with the last Rocky movie, where you're dealing with some later life issues and maybe still reeling over Goose's death or worrying whether you took the course that you were supposed to. Yeah, that would be a good way of doing it. The, or you, and you could get a, a younger action star in there as well, probably Jeremy Renner, who's just because he's, he's in everything. Sure, kind of like a foil to say, hey, this is the new Maverick coming up. This is Maverick 2.0, the, the new and improved version. And maybe that's why Tom Cruise as Maverick is uh, is doubting himself now. And he and Charlie got divorced and he's got <laughs> a drinking problem and he's flying drunk. And I don't know, you could do lots of stuff with it. Hmm. Or... Goose is a ghost that only Maverick can hear and see. <laughs> I gotta admit, you know, <laughs> I found out that I shouldn't be laughing about this, but I found out that Tony Scott died when Omar uh, sent me a text message. And the very first thing that went through my mind as I was driving down the highway, having just heard this, was Goose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. He should be a ghost in the... I'm trying to think of an amusing film where this has happened. Forget the action. We'll turn it into a comedy. Maverick, with the help of the spirit of Goose, have to find treasure somewhere. <laughs> it's, That's it. It's, That's um, the movie. What's the name of the movie with Michael J. Fox and the ghosts? The Frighteners. The Frighteners. You take the Frighteners spin on it. Yeah. So we'll have we'll have Goose in there and all of that. They'll be looking for his dog tags. Looking for Goose's dog tags that he threw into the ocean. And they'll be like, I threw them into the ocean. Ah, you thought you threw them to the ocean. But they were found by this small boy in Indonesia. And he sold them on a market. And now we have to go and look for them. And they go on an adventure. Just for funsies, what do you think would happen if Ridley Scott stepped in and made Top Gun 2 with Tom Cruise? What would that movie be? Slightly better, but otherwise still quite confusing. So you, Um, if I'm hearing you right, you do rate Ridley Scott higher than Tony. I think he's made more of the, again, let me bring up his, his filmography. I I think he's made more what you would class as. Oh no, I can't. The the word legitimate wants to come out. That's, that's not right at all. Um, I think he's made more enduring movies. Things like Gladiator. Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. For a long time. I, I, yeah, Gladiator will be around forever. Um, and and look at Blade Runner and and things like that. I think he's made more big films, potential Oscar-winning sort of attempts mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. He yeah. he's been a, less by the numbers. Uh, I think. Um, that said, Allison thought she was going to have to sit through Robin Hood on Friday night. And she oh, wasn't yeah. happy about that at all. That didn't uh, that didn't get rave reviews from anybody, to my memory. One of the worst films I've ever seen, the Ridley Scott Robin Hood. Why do you think that is? Um, Russell Crowe's performance and the plot and what he just generally did to the Robin Hood story. You see, Robin Hood clearly wasn't a real guy. It's just a story. It's a legend. It's a myth. And... 
he took the stance that rather than actually tell the story of Robin Hood, let's just take the idea that there was this dude called Robin Hood and give him an adventure. And it's that that to me, I, I kind of can see his argument for that, but it took it too far. It was not a Robin Hood movie and it was awful. I mean, to God, that it's to, to end a Robin Hood movie with Robin Hood and Prince John stood side by side on the, the beaches of Dover waiting for the French invaders to arrive so they could fight them together is just ludicrous. Let's make a version of Star Wars where Darth Vader and Luke are mates all the way through. Because that's the equivalent. It, it was just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I just didn't like it as a film. Plus, it, it was another one of those... See, I apparently have a Robin Hood rant. I didn't know this. I'd better correct myself. Earlier I said I hadn't seen Prometheus when we were talking about Tony Scott. And that was a Ridley Scott movie. Right, there, yeah. Now nobody send email. Okay. Um, where uh, was I? Max von Sydow. I'm it, just looking at the two brothers, and I, it took a little bit of elbow work to find this out. But you know, um, IMDb does composite ratings. What is this director rated overall according to all of his movies? And would you care to guess which brother is rated higher? Probably Ridley. Ridley Scott as a director, six point seven eight average based on his movies. Right. And Tony Scott rated, where'd that go? Here it is, 6.69 overall. So very, very close. Ridley just edging him out just a tiny little bit. See, and given that it's done on averages, Ridley's made more films. Uh, Tony's made 24 films as director. Ridley Scott's listed on 31. Yeah. So given that it's an average, I think his films would have to generally be of a higher level than Tony Scott's films anyway. It gets flipped around, though, when you talk about as a producer, because Tony is 7.5 as a producer, and Ridley is 7.48 as a producer. Oh, very close there. Incredibly close. So close, there might as well not even be a difference. Yeah. I mean, arguably, they've done a lot together, haven't they, as well? Well, they had a production company together, a Scott Free production. Scott Free. I like that. Scott Free. Um, so yeah if they if they do a lot together it's difficult to separate the two of them isn't it I mean, well, they seem to be very much alike it's just they had a slightly different stylistic vision yeah I mean what was it, it was uh, Damages the Glenn Close one that they did together mm-hmm. and I, you, you couldn't watch that and say well Ridley Scott did an awesome job of producing that but I, I think Tony Scott really let the side you can't say that you just have to produce by Tony and Ridley Scott fine done uh, so you can't really separate them. That that's my ten penneth there. Uh, what else did he do? Enemy of the State, great film. He clearly liked Gene Hackman. He did. He had go-to actors, didn't he? Uh, Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman. Seems like there were others on that list that he kept on going back to. See, and I I would argue. If as a director, if you can get Gene Hackman, then you damn well get Gene Hackman. I, I, I think it's you could find a place for Gene Hackman in your movie somewhere. And again, he's he's just so good. Um, what, what I like about Gene Hackman is that as his career progressed into sort of old age, he didn't really do anything to embarrass himself, which the same could not be said for similar actors. 
I'm looking at you, Mr. De Niro. <laughs> who reached a point where they clearly just thought, screw it, I'm just going to do anything I feel like. Or I need a new boat. Oh, little fuckers, let's do that. I was just going to say, I watched Meet the Fockers the other night, and I made it about 25 minutes in. So is that where I just said, you know, that this is miserable. Is that Meet the Fockers, the second one? It's the first one. Oh, the first one. Isn't the that first one. Meet, Meet the Family? That one I enjoyed. The first one I thought was... Was it Meet the Family? Meet, oh, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. That's what I want to say. I just want to say Fockers. Yeah, that's the second one when they realized they caught onto something that was a bit amusing and thought they'd milk it for all it was worth and then a little bit more. Uh, the first one, I I genuinely enjoyed the first one. The second one, not so much, but you kind of just warm to Dustin Hoffman after a while because it's hard not to. And then the third one was just an absolute insult. But it has Jessica Alba in it. So again, it's difficult to write it off altogether, but it still can be done. I have a lot of time for Jessica Alba, in case I'd never mentioned that. I have a lot of time for how she looks, but as an actress, very, very poor. She is quite average at best, isn't she? But I'll watch her all day. That's... Did you see Good Luck, Chuck? Uh, no, I haven't. She looks really good in it. That's that's about all that movie has going for it. Right. It's a Dane Cook movie, though, isn't it? Yeah. So I have a little issue with Dane Cook, and I don't know why. It's because he steals jokes. That's it. But I've never heard his stand-up. <laughs> so why do I care? That's that's <laughs> the point. Surely that he can steal all the jokes you want. I've never heard him tell a joke, so I, I don't care. But I just have, based on all that stuff I've heard him say, I don't like him. And then he was mean to Louie on that episode as well. That was a funny, funny I bit, though. was howling all the way through that. Let's just get him in and sit him down and we'll have this conversation as fictional characters of ourselves. Sort of. Just brilliant. I, I do deeply, deeply love that show. It, it's just so very good. Tony Scott dipped into the Val Kilmer well a couple of times too. Yeah, he did. And if you're talking actors that I have time for, not, not in a sexual way, not, not the same as Jessica Alba, but uh, I do love me some Val Kilmer. He I can be hit and miss with. And actually I have to look him up now because I think he might be one where I'd like to say I have trouble with his films, but in actual fact I enjoy most of his films. I can't recall a time that I've ever had a problem with Val Kilmer. I've had a problem with a couple of movies that Val Kilmer has made, but never with Val Kilmer. And that might be a self-selecting thing. Where it's the movies that I think he'll be bad in, I I just skip them. Now I realize that I haven't seen a Val Kilmer movie since Still Scrolling. He hasn't been working very much lately, and it hasn't been very high profile I, stuff. I, he's been working a lot yeah, looking at this, but I've not seen anything. And there's been a lot of TV series and videos. Yeah. Look, yeah, look at the kind of titles that he's been involved with. It's not, it's not like. Oscar worthy stuff. I'm just trying. I still haven't gotten to the last film he made. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was the last or the, the latest released Val Kilmer film that I have seen, and that was 2005. You know, that's probably the last thing I've seen him in as well. And looking through this list of things since that, there's a couple of, oh, what the hell is that kind of things, like The Ten Commandments, the musical. Like, that sounds like a parody. William Shatner kind of project rather than an actual real thing 
and you get the feeling that he's he just reached a point at some point where he was like I've made enough money now I'm just going to fuck around with whatever little project I want to putter with yeah maybe so Wyatt Earp's revenge what is that it's no it's actually a thing MacGruber which I hear is one of the worst movies ever made was that a Saturday Night Live movie Right, based on the Saturday Night Live skit with um, not Fred Armisen, but the guy who Will was Forte. On. Yes, thank you. I'm I'm just looking at the IMDb. I've never seen it, and I'm not familiar with the character at all. I felt so confident going into that, armed with Fred Armisen's name, only to figure out halfway through the sentence that it was not, in fact, Fred Armisen. But Will Forte, I only learned the other week, has been a writer and voice actor on South Park since the beginning. Because you watched that documentary, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, I saw, I found out the same thing when I watched it a couple of weeks ago too. I just had no idea. I was I that was a very good documentary as well. And really enjoyed it. The concept that you can be six days to airtime and not have an animated series episode ready to go. That would horrify me. But yeah, they pulled it off, didn't they? That was actually I thought that was one of the weaker of the recent episodes. So it didn't do that well for me. <laughs> well, you bang that together in six days, and I thought it wasn't that great. So maybe if you spend two weeks over the next one, it might be good. You well, know? the thing is that they do that every single week now. Yeah. It's not just that that was, hey, we've got to do this in this short amount of time. It was, hey, we do this every week, and this is just the start of the season. And the, the camera crew happens to be here now. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that in the long term. I don't feel that that is a... A good way of going with it. You watch episodes like the one, uh, the South Park episode from 2008 during the presidential election, Obama versus McCain. Yeah, love that. Where one. they whipped that 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 episode together overnight after the results of the um, voting were in. Oh right, really? Well, I mean, they had parts of it done in advance, but they had to fill in the gaps with whoever won, yeah. and it, it aired like the next day. It's very well done, isn't it? It's, it's good job they don't have to draw them anymore. I think I've run out of things to say about Tony Scott for, for all the amount of time that we actually talked about him. Um, me too, actually. I'm just, I just want to look one last look over his page and see if there's anything that I felt might be worth mentioning in particular. I, I don't think there is. There's nothing that's particularly stand out that we haven't mentioned. In general, I, I would class myself as a Tony Scott fan. And I, yeah, I wouldn't say that I hate him. He's not a director that you avoid. You get kind of excited when you find out that he's working on a new project, or or you, you did. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a shame that he won't be making any more films. Um, so, Which is almost word for word what Ron Howard tweeted about him. Yeah, it, it's sad there'll be no more Tony Scott films. It really is. Uh, and it's always sad when somebody feels that, for whatever reason, they have to do what he did. Uh and so, you know, good luck wherever you are, Tony Scott, I would say. I think that's that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right then. We do the wrap-up bit now, don't we? Yeah, I'm just trying to find a way to transition away from suicide. Um, it's an awkward one. So we're trying, I'm trying a new project on Simply Syndicated. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that ledge is slightly away from suicide. 
This is the segue. <laughs> this is the segue. I actually, I'm, I'm glad I've got. Would like to talk about this because I feel that there's been a lot of misunderstanding over what it is I propose to do, and I, I didn't think I could. I've been having trouble clearing it up with text, and I think speech might be a better way of doing it. Well, with the greatest respect, I kind of groaned when I saw you posting that on Facebook because well, you and I had talked about it previously, and I knew exactly where you were going. Did but it as not soon make... as I, no, it made sense to me because I had the background after we had talked. But I, I knew that as soon as you posted something, people would misunderstand that they would read their own stuff into it. Right, and it's happened a lot. And it's I I didn't just post it on Facebook. I posted it on Google Plus. I posted it on the forum. At simplysyndicated.com slash forums, people, if you want to join in with this. And, it and was, then you had a rather long piece on your blog, too. Yeah. Um, and it was misinterpreted and misunderstood in different ways, in different places, many times. So I, I shall just clear it up. So the idea was to have a Netflix-style service on, on the website, uh, whereby you could uh, pay a monthly subscription and access all of our content because right now the way that it is is you pay if you want to download old episodes you know they're a dollar 99 or whatever i can't even recall how much they are 99 pence so 99 whatever pence. that works out in dollars it's like a dollar and a quarter right uh but instead of having access to our back catalog for an episode at a time my understanding is that you want to have them subscription based well you both, you pay your monthly fee, you get access. Both would be there. So I wouldn't get rid of the store. This isn't this isn't in replacement of anything that we currently do. It's an Just additional thing. And so yeah, you'd pay the, the 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 target price is five pounds a month. And then you can log on to the website and there will be a player on a page that you can go to and play absolutely anything we've ever made. And as much as you like for your five pounds a month. And that, that's it. A lot of people started to panic thinking that suddenly all, all our content will be pay only, which is not the case at all. Um, things that are free remain free as podcasts. So that's, don't panic about that. That's, there's always this contingency of people that hear the mentioning of money at all and just panic that they'll have to in some way pay for podcasts, which isn't happening anytime soon, it seems. So what we'd do is we'd make new stuff and put it in this subscri subscription area, but also put it in the store. So you can buy it and keep it or subscribe and listen to it whenever you want on the website. So, for instance, you're talking about right now making a special run, a limited run of, I think, what you said, 12 or 13 episodes of Make It So, the Star Trek podcast that lots of people have been asking for. That's right. And so what we'd do is we'd... So we, we'd make all of them and then we'd release them all in one go in the store so you could go in and buy them and keep them or we'd put them out week after week on the subscription service as well until they were eventually just all on there and then they'd just stay on there forever. And we as a free podcast, we'd put out, we, I figured every sort of third episode, third or fourth episode, so there'd be a whole episode and then two sort of preview episodes, that sort of thing. Maybe we can play around with what kind of episodes come out as free, uh, you know. And so there'd just be a whole range of ways to get things. But they wouldn't all in their entirety be available just for free because the advertising model clearly does nothing. 
unless you live in San Francisco and have connections with lots of technology companies, which I'm failing on every level there. There's no denying that. Very few major tech companies in the Worth Valley area of West Yorkshire. In fact, it's just me. So, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't claim to be a big tech company, but it really is just me. I think that's probably true. Um, I don't know. There might be a couple of blogging companies in Leeds or something. Uh, so I've lost my train of thought now. So that was it. So, But I, I want to make this service to be as much like uh, people would want it to be as possible. So come on the forum and let's let's talk about it and see what how it should work and that sort of thing and what you would, would like there to be there. A lot of people have said things like, you know, it's going to have to be good stuff. And like, I know that, right? Do you know what the, the difference is? Is if you're advertising focused, assume that we were very advertising focused as we tried to be and we could get clients people who wanted to advertise what we'd be doing then is making content that no we'd be making advertising space that would be our business much we'd look like a media company but we wouldn't be we'd be an advertising company much like google looked like they're a search company but they're not they're an ad company and so everything we'd be doing would be motivated by is this a good way to sell something? Is this a good piece of advertising space? Are we pleasing our sponsors? When in actual fact, the people that we should be concentrating on pleasing are the people who download the stuff and listen to it. So if we concentrate on selling our stuff, then what we have to do is also concentrate on making it as good as it could possibly be so that it's worth your time and effort to buy it. And so just by making that shift, it's a push in the right direction for making just better stuff, which is something that interests me a lot. And so I, th I think that, you know, pushing for paid content is by far the best way of doing it. And it's not like we're going to be asking for money because we want to get rich, rich, fabulously rich. It's, I, I just don't think that people understand, Rich, that uh, it takes hundreds of pounds a month to put all this free content out there. It takes a lot more than I think people think it does. And I would like to become filthy, stinking rich. I won't lie, that is that is absolutely a factor. But it's not, <laughs> it's not my main motivator. If I could become comfortable, I'd be happy. So that is that is my actual realistic goal, to become financially comfortable. Uh, but yeah, it takes... I think people in general, and I was going to write another big 3,000-word essay about this, people in general need to... Just accept that there are different ways of financing the media that they consume. And that's okay. It shouldn't all be free. There's no rule that says it all has to be free or all has to be paid for. It's all made with different motivations and different methods of production. And so you just... It's a new concept. I understand that. We've never had that before. Um... We're just going to have to get used to it. Some stuff's ad-supported. Some stuff is made by big companies as a loss leader to drag people to a brand name. Other stuff is made and sold. It's it's a big wide world of media entertainment out there. So it's merely just a slight shift in model. But there will still be free stuff. Like this show. For the record, Atomic Trivia War 9000 will always remain your biggest loss leader. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show, that. It's an awesome show. Um, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to put to bed any fears that anybody might have. 
I think as soon as you talk about changing anything with podcasts, it's like you're suggesting that you change the Facebook homepage in terms of reaction that you get. Some people yeah. love it, but other people think you're you're going to end their world somehow. And it's it's just not the case. Just not. Don't worry, case. guys. I won't let Rich screw up. The only way I can screw up. <laughs> and believe you me when I say I've I have lists of this. The only way this can screw up is if it just it can't run for five pounds per user a month. In which case, I'll decide it's not financially viable and abandon the idea. But because I I've got that price, it has to be that price or less. It can't be more than that. So it either has to work for that or it doesn't work. Um, unfortunately, having spent the last week or two looking into the technology behind it, it's kind of the point where you can just watch it happening and if it gets to a point, you can say, switch it off, it's not working. So that's the worst that can happen. Honestly. don't I won't destroy everything, people. I think that's what they think I'm going to do, but I won't do that. I don't know. I think I've addressed everything. Yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. Don't don't anybody worry. In the meantime, if you want to experience our store system, which works rather well, I, I do recommend it. It's at simplysyndicated.com slash store. And you can go and check out all our old stuff, which is that you see, I'm going to put stuff in the streaming player that is not going to be in the store because it doesn't sell so well. But it would be great if it was just there and you could switch it on like the Bollocks show. I've got like a hundred episodes of that and I wouldn't put them in the store, but I'd put them on this thing because it seems like it's, it's much better suited to that. So it's going to be as worth it as we can make it. Pretty that much. sounds fair to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're, I'm aware that it has to be really good stuff, but it won't be like podcasts that just run forever week after week. It's going to be productions of things that that's it. Cause that's really how it should how it should work we just didn't know that in the beginning when we started doing the same show every week forever years ago <laughs> that's it really you're thinking of going to a more season by season basis? oh yeah. yeah yeah it's by far the best idea because even if it means we don't stop making stuff when we're not making a particular show it at least means we change up what we're doing and that keeps things fresh and interesting and of a higher quality that's that we can concentrate just on quality now. It just has to be a good show that people like. That's a much better way of doing things. I much prefer that idea. I can agree on that. I, I've been doing a trivia show now for two straight years, and I'll tell you, there are some weeks where I just want to say, "How about we talk about a movie instead?" You see, I think that should be. Much, I think podcasting should accommodate that as a concept far more now. Yeah, I'm stunned that it never has. And I, I think, think it, making seasons is a good idea. Yeah, I think people have just never really tried it much. So let's try it. Here's to the crazy ones and all that. Masters of None seems to have a, a fairly good time of it. They it's do indeed. Check out the Masters of None show. They, they interviewed Doug Stanhope. Damn them. They talked yeah. to people I want to talk to. I thought he died on Louis. Yeah. It was so sad that because we'd only just seen him in Bradford a couple of weeks before we saw that episode. Like, he seemed all right when we saw him and now he's really <laughs> sad. And he's homeless. Yeah, what's happening? Doug, Doug, it was fine before. Bless him. He's lovely, though, in a frightening kind of way. 
really. Okay, then. I think that's us for this week, isn't it? It is. Everything's okay. wrapped up. I think we're good to go. We'll see everybody on Remastered next week. Cool. Right then. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.